Hello and welcome to the Empowered Hormone Podcast, where we pull apart all those taboo topics, periods, parasites, poos, hormones and more. Let's question everything you've been taught about your body. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, a gin-loving gut health nerd passionate about debunking myths on birth control, period pain and IBS. If you struggle with bloating or your period is less than pretty, then join me as we chat about everything relating to gut and hormone health. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Hormone Podcast. This episode is sponsored by my 7-Day Beat the Bloat Challenge. So ladies, if you want the tips, tricks and recipes to get you from bloated to beautiful, jump to the show notes and register now. Today I have the privilege of speaking to Adrienne from Alchemy Health and Wellness Coaching. So Adrienne has a background in uh, health coaching, so she's going to explain a little bit more about that later, but also in uh, Bachelor of Education, which is awesome, primary and Masters in Education Leadership. So she now works as a health and wellbeing consultant for individuals and schools. Adrian studied with the Institute of Integrative Nutrition to become a coach and paired this with studies in a Master's of Educational Leadership to be able to help the well-being of schools and individuals, which I think is pretty amazing. So as a quick <laughs> summary of what you're going to get out of today's chat, Adrian's going to talk through her health story, which is super interesting, her recovery from a major gut dysbiosis. Hello, everyone who's listening. I think we've all struggled with that. How she used nutrition to do this her own struggles with fertility and also she's going to give you ladies some information on some of the sort of underlying causes of infertility testing that can be done and I guess how she felt pregnant after so many health struggles so thank you so much for being here today Um, I really appreciate it I'm so happy to be here it's really exciting and congratulations on your podcast I feel like everyone should start a podcast, you know, like now that I've, I've got one, I'm like, oh, this is so much fun. I just get to talk to people all day. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, yes. And also it's just such a big, uh, it's such a big undertaking, but you're right. You would pick up so many little gems from uh, the guests that you have on there. And it's amazing that everybody who's listening can, uh, can hear the ideas of a broad range of people. So it's awesome. Well done. Yeah, and in our sort of busy society, we're all like, go, 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 you know, having a podcast where you can even like, I don't know, personally, I love it on when I'm cooking or I'm um, walking or I'm driving the car for more than, you know, 20 or 30 minutes or, you know, even just chilling out after a day's work. And especially when you work from home and you're by yourself a lot of the time at the computer, I can't really listen to them while I'm working because it's too distracting. But at the end of the day, if I just want I like lie on the floor and stretch whatever I'll often pop a podcast on because I'm like ah another human being this is amazing yeah well we put it on where when we're food prepping on the weekend so we're learning at the same time yeah what what podcasts have you been listening to lately is there any that you're Uh, loving 
Well, I love um, Steph Lowe, the Natural Nutritionist yes. podcast. I think yes. that's amazing. Um, yours is wonderful. So now that you've got all these episodes coming out, you can start listening. Um, I love Max Lugavir. He's um, a documentary maker from the US and he has lots of health experts on there and I really love him because he has you know his opinions but because he's a great documentary maker he'll have um, lots of different uh, objectives and approaches and he always kind of sits in the middle I love that because you you get to hear a bit of everything and make up your own mind especially in this current climate where lots of things are censored I think podcasts are excellent Yes, yeah. I I haven't heard of his, but I'll jump on and have a look. I've been loving um yeah, the Simon Hills one, the plant, what is he? The plant something. Um and his is really great. And who's the other one? Oh, the SIBO doctor. I've been loving the SIBO doctor. So much information on gut stuff. It's incredible. Right. That's wonderful. Yeah. I am into audiobooks more now at the moment. I kind of flip between. So it depends what I get obsessed with. That's what I'll listen to. And so I've kind of steered more into more mindset work with um, corporations. So that's the stuff I'm listening to at the moment. I've sort of steered away from the health side, but I'll be back there in a couple of weeks, yep. a couple of yep. months. It, it does vary you're right depends where the sort of your basis is like I'll listen to um, business coaches sometimes I'll listen to like the Chris copy one if I'm really into the copywriting for my website or you know it kind of varies maybe like Kate Toon's SEO ones depending on where your headspace is at so yeah so tell me a little bit about what you do then in your business or tell me in our audience Right. So I'm a health coach. So I've got my own business now. Um, it's Adrienne Hornby uh, Health and Wellbeing Consulting. So I actually started out as Alchemy Health and Wellness Coaching, but have now rebranded to my name because everyone knows me by my name. So this is a big process too, because it means changing everything um, around on all of my websites. But um, really what I'm doing mainly is working with busy professionals, mums, as well as uh, women who have struggled to fall pregnant. So I kind of spread my expertise across all of these people. And, and, and more recently, I started a business called Femme Collective with uh, the lovely Selene Douglas from Selene Douglas Nutrition. And we're focusing more on the fertility, pregnancy and postpartum ladies over there. And then I'm focusing more on those busy professionals. So um, that's kind of me in a nutshell. But my my focus market, I, I would say, is definitely those stressed out, run down women uh, who are struggling to do it all, fit it all in and just want to feel better, healthier and more in control. And isn't there a lot of them at the moment? I don't know whether it's just because we're in the space of health and well-being that every woman you meet is strung out and stressed or whether generationally women are just across the board more strung out than I don't know, I don't know than what they were or, or like yeah. it, it's everyone. Well, it's modern life, really. I think we've far um, out-evolved our purpose. So once we were just all about eating, sleeping, reproducing (laughs) and surviving, and then now we're about work, finances, deadlines, achieving, making something of ourselves. And unfortunately, our brains and our bodies can't keep up with that kind of lifestyle. So I think that's how we've landed ourselves in a pickle, uh, because we're not actually equipped to know how to deal with that. So this is why you need strategies and supportive women like you and, um, and 
integrative practitioners for sure, but we'll talk more about that as we get yes. <laughs> as we get along in our chat. Ben, do you think that infertility and struggles to fall pregnant has gotten worse over the years? Because if I look, my both of my parents are from families of eight and nine kids and their mm-hmm. generation, and we come from a large Dutch generation, but lots of them even come from like 13 kids. Like that's, that's sort of the norm. But I mean, I know people are having less kids now as well, but I like, I don't, I don't think my body could handle even five kids would probably kill my body you know what I mean like because is it it just seems and it seems a lot harder to fall pregnant I don't know but maybe that's the way it's heading well I think it's a a combination of reasons so really it's people are start women are starting a lot later in life so if you think about when we get a period really that's our body kind of telling us that we're ready to go and so that's why back in the day there were so many kids because we started a a lot earlier hopefully not at around 12 or 13 (laughs) but certainly a couple of years after that because we're in our prime whereas now we're starting businesses and getting forward in our careers and we like to get to a place before we go off and have children because there's so much pressure there so I think that's one reason but the second reason is definitely along the lines of stress for sure Um, and I mean research shows that uh, these stress hormones have an impact of course on our adrenals and then therefore on the thyroid and um, on our pituitary gland and that of course is then affecting our sex hormones like we're, we're just out of whack and then I think third, it comes down to the food that we're eating now. It's just not conducive to good health. It's way too stressful for the body. It is not fertility promoting in the slightest. And so, I mean, I think we're at one in six women um, struggled with a fertility challenge and it's projected in the next 20 to 30 years to be one in three. So we're really just wiping ourselves out. Yeah, it's getting really... Uh, it's really at the forefront of lots of these problems and they've got all this reproductive technology now, which is fantastic, but it's really, I think, my my opinion is we're bypassing the warning signs. (laughs) Yeah, 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 100%. So then leading into that, so tell me a little bit about, I guess, your story and how that happened because like everyone, I'm sure you've got a story around your health that, yeah, started somewhere. Yeah, and I mean, that's how I've become to be so (laughs) opinionated on fertility challenges is because I've gone through this myself. So uh, my story began, of course, at conception, but my story uh, with fertility began really when I went to visit a homeopath, which was the first uh, natural or out. I love how people say alternative practitioner. They're actually probably the first practitioners that we ever would have gone to. They're not alternative. They're the most natural. So I went to see a homeopath for guidance around a rash that I actually had all over my whole entire body. It was nasty. Um, It coincided with a really stressful time in my life. I'd just gotten married. It was uh, a really, I had been a really full on time. But while I was there, I kind of mentioned, oh, listen, I came off the pill about six or eight months ago and I still haven't got my period back. And she was the first practitioner to pull out a big notepad and ask me about my life. And she said, I want you to start from when you were conceived. What was your mother's health like? What were her stress levels like? And I kind of went, 
Well, I was actually uh, conceived out of wedlock. And so that was really stressful. My mum hid that she was even pregnant with me for seven months. I don't know how. So uh, I could imagine the environment there was really stressful. And I went on to talk uh, about my whole life story and shared uh, childhood abuse and a lifetime of trauma from pretty much when I was born right through to that stage. So in, in that time, I'd lost my mum. I'd had my dad abandon me at 28. It was really quite a heavy conversation that I'd never actually said out loud before. And she sat back on her chair and, like, tapped her pen on the notepad once I'd finished and just said, Adrian, you can't conceive because your body feels way too stressed and unsafe and it has switched off all of your reproductive function you need to work on unpacking this stuff and really calming down your whole entire system. And I kind of, it was like everything shattered. Like I'd never realised that before now. My life had been my life. And when she kind of dug deeper, like alongside of the stress, I'd had a gut dysbiosis for three years following a trip to Morocco where literally every single bit of food I ate, sorry, TMI, everybody, went straight through me. So clearly had absorbed no nutrients for a number of years and um, had rectified that and done really well. But I was still in a bit of a cycle of doing things like overtraining, like slamming myself at the gym fasting because that had healed my guts. Uh, I wasn't eat. I'd gone keto, which was amazing for gut health, but I'd almost stuck with it for too long. So all of these little stresses. So I was physically stressed, emotionally stressed, mentally stressed. And my body was just like, no way, Jose, are you going to be bringing a baby into this world when you feel that way? So that, that was the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and that's, you know, like your story is so uh, heart-wrenching to think shivers, like you're pushing yourself through all that stuff. But at the same time, like we said earlier, that's so common. And I bet there's so many women listening, me included, who go, oh, hey, <laughs> I'll put my hand up because I did the overtraining. I did the undereating, I did the fasting. I did the keto. I had the gut dysbiosis. And there's so many of us who, yeah, who go through that. And you're right, like often we might heal that dysbiosis within our gut and then, then think oh we're good to go but we may not either do all the repair work so rebuild all that good gut flora so that we can go back to eating a wide range of foods but also actually address some of those external stresses as well because we've dealt with that real constant stomach pain or you know IBS type stuff but then we're thinking oh what about the training what about the external stuff what about the mindset what about the eating the healthy patterns yeah wow so you went through all that stuff um and then you decided to start trying for a baby or what point did you did you did that cross over yeah, so listen, when she first kind of gave me that analysis of my life, I would say that I wasn't quite yet ready uh, to address it wholeheartedly. I was. I started to get into my personal development journey from then on in, but I also wanted a baby yesterday. Like I was ready to start. So um, I actually went to see a fertility specialist not too long after that and um, got kind of my assisted conception ovulation tracking journey underway, while at the same time I started to uh, take, a, take a 
deep look at my life and and do that work concurrently, uh, which I'll sort of share really I think is the winning formula. But I, I went on to see a fertility specialist and they were quick to diagnose me with polycystic ovaries. They did not make mention of the syndrome and I didn't have the syndrome, but the first thing they said to me when I was in there and I looked up and they explained uh, how the polycystic ovaries were presenting, I said, well, I always have that. And they said, yes. And looking back on it now, that is not true. You will not always have polycystic ovaries. Um, the, the follicles are always changing with your different fluctuations of hormones. And when you can repair a hormone imbalance, there's, there's so much you can do. So that's the first thing that I notice now looking back is that often there'll be specialists who are really quick to label you and then you can take that on. And I almost did. I was like, right, well, this is just me. This is my life. But that's kind of where we started off on my hormone treatment and hormone therapy in order to track my ovulation because from the testing that also came out, they told me that I had the hormones of a prepubescent 11 or 12-year-old because they'd flatlined. And I didn't understand that at the time, but I now understand that to be hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is a total loss of the cycle, again, linked to the pituitary gland, linked to the hypothalamus in the brain, basically talking to your luteinizing hormones in the ovaries saying, no, thank you. We're not going to grow those follicles this month. And then all your little ovaries and the follicles in your ovaries shut up shop. And then that's how they become polycystic. So I wish they'd explained that to me then. That only took me three years to <laughs> discover for myself. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the kind of generalised testing that, that a lot, unless you find a really good fertility specialist, will do. Uh, and they'll, they'll give you a bit of a label and we can take that label on or we can we can fight to to pave a story for ourselves yeah and i'm glad you touched on ha there cuz i know that is a important part of your story but as so many women i see and myself as well is is really important to make that um distinction that's another whole podcast in itself but between <laughs> ha and pca <laughs> Like it's yeah yeah it's it's really important for women to understand that sometimes their body just shuts off that pathway and says hey we're not gonna let you ovulate and in a sense there's nothing uh, physically wrong with you your body's just that stressed out that it's gone no like no when we're not doing this mm-hmm. entirely and that's exactly what happened to me and I now have faith that if I can help my body to feel safe, that the hypothalamus will start talking to the pituitary and saying, things are okay here. She can do this. You can you can open up shop again and all those little follicles will just puff up nicely and start to cycle through each month. So uh, I have my fingers and toes crossed that that's my fate. <laughs> um, so then what did you do after you had that piece or polycystic ovaries diagnosis? You, yeah. Yeah, so I basically started my assisted conception journey. So went on all of the hormones. Um, uh, they start you off on uh, three rounds of Clomid. And once you fail that, that's the language they use. Once you fail that, then you can move on to some uh, hormone injections, which is basically a luteinizing hormone, which makes which helps your follicles to grow in order for you to ovulate. Yeah. But 
what I did while that was happening was I continued to work on myself. So I recognised, of course, that I'd been under eating. So I really started on making sure I was getting enough food. So I totally stopped the fasting. Um, I upped my carbohydrate intake of starchy carbohydrates that uh, come from a whole food source, um, really kind of got off a lot of the processed foods, which to be honest, I wasn't on um, too many of them anyway, because I'd done a lot of healing my gut and moved away from all of grains and processed foods anyway. But perhaps the biggest piece of the puzzle that was the most important was the stuff I was doing on my mindset building self-awareness, uh, unpacking all of my trauma, because this was all trying to tend to the way that I reacted to stress. I mean, we're always going to be invariably faced with stress, particularly as I mentioned in the modern world today, but I was reacting uh, like someone who'd been through trauma to absolutely everything. Everything was triggering me. And going through an, an an IVF or assisted conception journey is really anxiety provoking. So I had to do a lot of that work. So I started to kind of dive really heavily into that. And I started to notice such a major change in my whole outlook on everything. And so did everybody else. And so I said to my husband, like, I want people to know all of this stuff. Like I feel so different. I feel like I'm beginning to cope because month and month would go by and I would not fall pregnant or I would ovulate and my progesterone wouldn't hold up. Like IVF is a journey. They've got to get used to how your hormones even work before you can see progress sometimes. But I just wanted to help more people to feel good about the whole thing because it was such a um, cruddy situation but I was starting to really get get the hang of uh, how it worked have had broader per perspective so I started um, to study to become a health coach and soon enough I was running IVF support groups in Canberra uh, I was working with women who were going through exactly the same thing as me and and it was beginning to see amazing progress and not only myself but also in them and this was lucky because I finally managed to fall pregnant under my second round of IVF and I miscarried at 10 weeks and one in four women will miscarry like it's so common and your body doesn't know that you've tried for a really long time to fall pregnant. Like it can't discern that. It's just how things happen sometimes. So that was really rough. But because I'd done all of this work, I was really grateful actually because it. when I look at it in hindsight, it wasn't the right time. I wasn't quite ready yet. I hadn't touched on everything. I hadn't fully got my health under control um, and going through that also brought my husband and I really close together as well. And, um, but you know what, I wouldn't have had that outlook on it had I not been really addressing all of the areas of my life as I, as I went along. So um, we, we bounced back a couple of months later, we were really resilient and we tried again. And when we went to try again, so our third round of IVF, um, I was at my best, like my health was amazing. I was eating well. I was sleeping well. Mindset was good. 
I was in the best condition I'd been in in my whole life and I fell pregnant and then that resulted in my son Reuben and it was it was textbook pregnancy there wasn't one issue I was active the whole time I felt amazing I had no morning sickness uh, and I honestly believe it was a result of the integrative approach that I took to the whole pregnancy process to address all of the areas of my life. And yeah, I even went on to have this like breezy three hour birth where at the end I was like, oh, I, could, I could do that again. <laughs> and I kind of looked back and people were really a bit annoyed with me that I'd, I was boasting about it, but I was really, really proud of myself because I'd had a really, um, really quite crappy life and then all of a sudden that chapter was done and here was this baby and he was beautiful and he was healthy and I'd done it and recovered well had an amazing birth and I'd like to think that that was me who did that so I'm holding on to it (laughs) yeah totally and that's you know that's empowering because if you do take care of your health and your body then you do and not saying you know if you have a bad pregnancy you're you know you were really unhealthy but on the same token if you do do the work and I often see really unwell women trying to fall pregnant and I just you know try to reassure them that hey when you work on you and when you work on your gut health and your hormones and those kinds of things not saying you're guaranteed to fall pregnant but it does your body does know like your body does deactivate say cortisol so that you feel really tired so that you don't do anything it does stop your periods because you're not ready like your body is very intuitive and if we give it that time and respect we can start to see hey maybe actually I'm not ready or once you come into that space and like you said with Reuben then you did have a really healthy baby as well and that's such a blessing that's it and listen there are extremely healthy women who still go on to have morning sickness and 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 horrific birth stories too so sometimes it doesn't always discern but I mean if you look back at the research of traditional cultures all around the world um, and and still the ones that are around today they're actually characterized by really quick births relatively uncomplicated births uh, and and pregnancies and the, the jury's still out on morning sickness and the and the cause of that. Um, there's many different theories that uh, that are coming about from hormonal imbalances, which of course are triggered by stress, but triggered by excess of cortisol, um, an excess of estrogen in the system has been um, noted as a potential cause for morning uh, morning sickness if we're not clearing out that estrogen as well as our body just protecting us from certain toxins that so we don't deliver it to the baby. But um, I think if we just try our best to set up the vessel, uh, we're going to be more likely to uh, maximise our chances of conception, a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby because the developmental origins theory as well is heavily researched and it's linking our health at conception and in pregnancy to the long-term health outcomes of our babies. So it's not to say that they'll be unhealthy, but we can maximise and optimise their health if we really take care of ourselves. So the, the thing about assisted conception is that it's amazing and I'm so glad it's around because it, it brought my child into my life but if we bypass the problem and get the end result and don't look at the root cause where we might be potentially missing 
uh, a red flag. So uh, that's why I think if you're if we're going to go ahead with assisted conception, go for it. It's incredible. We're so lucky, but make sure at the same time that you're doing the work on your body and on your mind, so that the the the, the end result, I guess, is as I said before, optimized. Yeah, and like you said, like so much of um, the mother is passed on to the baby as well. Like obviously, you are creating the baby; it's getting all its nutrients and everything it needs from you. But also, your microbiome, like that's the imprint for your babies as well. So if you've got major gut dysbiosis, and you know you do fall pregnant, which is amazing, but you've got to also consider, hey, what am I passing on to my babies? And you know, like Reuben came out as a beautiful, healthy baby, but that's not always the case and sometimes babies are really sick like they might have gluten or dairy or milk intolerances or protein intolerances straight up and you know they might often have the runs or whatnot because and it's sometimes a reflection of the mother's health but we don't always draw that connection as well that's it i mean when the baby is born and comes out of the birth canal it picks up all the microbiome from from the mother as it moves through the vagina and that's it's amazing when you think about it. I mean, they're opening their mouth, they're breathing it in the whole way down. Sounds really gross, but that's what populates their gut. So if your microbiome and your gut health, which is um, which is also uh, down in the vaginal canal, if that's not tip-top, then they're not going to be getting the best population of their gut flora uh, at all. So... Yes, when you're missing certain strains of bacteria down there, that's where we can see an increase in uh, particularly egg and milk allergies in, in children. And, I mean, the research now is pretty amazing that they're picking up that if you've got poor gut health or an allergy as the mother, they're supplementing now with probiotics and it's actually reducing the incidences of childhood allergies. So um, there's definitely that connection there. So that's why it's important to, where possible, have um, a vaginal birth. And if not, they're doing amazing things now where they do things like seed the baby with your microbiome if it's born by a C-section and you can request all of these things at the hospital. So there, there are still ways to get the best of the birth plan that suits you because it always comes down to how comfortable you feel. But you're so right. If I had have given birth to Reuben with my gut health having been what it was, I can't even imagine what kind of eczema and allergies and things that he could have been predisposed to. Um, yeah, I'm... I'm- very you know very in awe of you right now I'm like oh I just want to be a good mom like Adrian like that's just amazing you're right you're giving your your baby your child the best possible chance yeah to to be healthy and to be well and it is yeah you in today's society where our body is so um under attack from so many different things and toxins and the environment and all this stuff and food and processed food like from the get-go you want to be giving giving your child the best possible shot so i think it's pretty clear to all of us why you focus on women's health and infertility um you just yeah you're so passionate about it and you've got such a strong story there so much experience and so much knowledge which is so amazing but I think you also experienced a lot of the reasons for infertility as well and we did touch on that but we'll just um touch on that briefly before we finish up so some of those reasons like you talked about like you had the hormonal imbalance you had the hypothalamic amorea so you had the HA you had the stress you had low nutrient stores 
Was there any other things that could possibly be linked into infertility? Yeah, actually, this was something I found out after I had Reuben. So I'm in the process now um, of making sure, as I said before, that my body's in the best condition so that I can hopefully conceive naturally next time. Uh, so I've had a lot of testing run by Selene, who works with me at Fen Collective. And uh, what she found when she ran my blood work was that I actually have a MTHFR gene mutation. I have two of them. And now... Um, this isn't necessarily a major problem and means that you're going to have a fertility challenge. Um, but for me, it possibly could have been a reason behind it. So what actually happens is that uh, it, it basically minimises your absorption or, or creation or processing of folate. And we know that folate is so important for growing a baby and falling pregnant. Uh, and that I love the saying that genetics load the gun, but lifestyle pulls the trigger. And so if genetics, my gun was loaded with this MTHFR gene mutation where I was struggling to process folate, which is what I needed, it's actually amplified by your lifestyle, right? So think back to when I was trying to fall pregnant and going through the early days of my fertility journey, I was really stressed. Um, I wasn't getting enough nutrients. I wasn't eating enough food. And so, therefore, the gene was probably really uh, expressing at a high level, which could have explained why I think I did 14 rounds of trying to fall pregnant, why I wasn't falling pregnant, probably because my folate levels weren't there. Of course, there was also the mixture of this hormone imbalances going on as well. But it makes sense that this could have potentially been an issue for me and it might explain why when I was at my best, it happened for me. So when we, we found this mutation, we looked at all of the other things like homocysteine levels in the, in the blood, which tend to be elevated with an MTHFR gene mutation. And mine was only slightly expressing, but I would have loved if a doctor had run that on me way back when I first started to try. So these are the kind of tests that I recommend people uh, people get uh, as well. But, I mean, in, in linking to that as well, this whole lifestyle factor, when we've got high levels of inflammation in our systems as well, it's likely it's uh, spiking our endometriosis. We're not able to actually uh, bring down those levels in the ovaries and in the uterus and sometimes through the tubes because if we're eating this highly processed diet, it's contributing to these factors. So what we kind of talk about at Fem Collective is every single one of these fertility challenges that, that women are faced with have clear scientific links to your nutrition and lifestyle. So it makes sense to address those areas at the same time as you undergo modern day treatments, we're not poo-pooing that at all because that is a more integrated approach. So that's probably my biggest takeaway from you, for your audience here is that if they are being challenged by something, that addressing those areas at the same time as you're seeking treatment from a specialised practitioner is going to maximise your chances of conceiving and having a healthy baby who goes on to have an, a healthy life. You're setting them up from the get-go. 
Yeah, totally. So, lady listeners, um, yeah, take home tips from AGR one, like have that holistic approach. So, like she said, yes, the medical intervention is great and you can go down that route. But if you're not addressing your lifestyle, your stress, your diet, your exercise, those, you know, hormonal imbalances, which you can start to correct, those kinds of things, then, yeah, your, your fertility treatment either may take longer longer like Adrian's did or you may not fall pregnant or you may fall pregnant when you're not in the right headspace so there is so many areas to address there and yes the testing is really really important as well and like you said the MTHFR testing is great and gives you that extra piece of the puzzle as well but also it's not it's not the only reason as well and women sometimes latch onto that they'll be like oh but I've got MTHFR it's like yeah you do but there is are so much other stuff you can address as well or it might be that one thing like oh well I've got polycystic ovaries well yes you do but think about all the other compounding factors and address those and then start to yeah look at the whole picture and move forward that's it and I mean that's why a full comprehensive blood panel tells you absolute and even uh uh, looking at your gut health in stool samples as well. A full comprehensive testing panel is going to give you a lot of information and little things to work on from there. But you're right, you're so right, Sheridan, you can't attach to a diagnosis. Because like I said before, if I'd attached to my first diagnosis, uh, that biology of belief is a really big factor in this. And it's why I also like to say fertility challenge or fertility journey instead of infertility. Because I used to say all the time I was infertile and my husband would be infuriated because I wasn't and I was just telling myself that I was and that that language is so important as well so uh, yes that holistic approach is is the winning formula in my eyes well thank you so much man there was so much information in there um i feel like i'm gonna have to listen to that and repeat myself but there is as you can hear um yeah you're a wealth of knowledge a wealth of passion a wealth of information so for those listeners who want to reach out to adrian for any any reasons any questions or learn more about femme collective or you know her own health coaching services or whatnot i'm going to link in um both of her websites but at this point you are also getting a new website built aren't you which is super exciting yeah, um, you'll be able to find me at the adrianhornby.com.au awesome cool so i'll link um those into the show notes i'll link in your instagram so they can come stalk you and look <laughs> at what you're doing um and even selena what she's doing as well because she's a wonderful nutritionist too so Thank you again so much. I really, really appreciate it. And I know so many people are going to learn heaps out of what you've given us. Anytime. Thank you so much for having me. It's been lovely. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Empowered Hormone Podcast. If you know a female who needs some empowerment, please forward, repost, tag or share and let's get women talking.